Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Good morning and welcome to Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It is April 7th, 2020. We made it another month. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Gavin? Pretty good. Pretty good. So we're software consultants for Order Solutions, and this week we're your hosts. So we're going to yeah. go over a lot of the, the great CFML content we have this week. It's been a pretty busy week, to be honest. A lot of stuff flying out. Um, but first, we just want to thank our sponsors. Yes, and we want to thank our uh, sponsor, or Order Solutions, for making this podcast possible. And let you know that uh, Order Solutions is the creator of all things Box, Cold Box, Command Box, Test Box, uh, QB, Quick, all of those. And uh, especially in this time where uh, we can't get out like we'd like to, Ordis offers uh, virtual training where you can get one of us in the Zoom room with your team and we can go over uh, any of these topics you like. So reach out to us uh, if that's something you're interested in and we can help you you get on board and with any of the products that you'd like. Yeah. So that's the thing. We have a lot of trainings that we do, you know, all the time, but we can allocate, uh, you know, a training for you. So if there's something specific you need, if you need us to look at your code base and, you know, sort of help you guys get to the next step, we can do that too. So, uh, we're doing a lot of online trainings. That's where Brad is right now. Uh, he's online training with a client for a few days. And so that's a big part of our, our ongoing business and support. So, um, yeah, definitely let us know if you need anything done. Um, as part of the conferences, we usually do workshops and we'll be doing those virtually this year since we're having issues getting to places to see you. But uh, also we want to thank our Patreon supporters, which we'll talk about more at the end of the show. But right now we're at 42% of our goal of fully funding all the podcast work that we do. Um, so thank you everyone who's supporting. And just so you know, if you're a Patreon supporter, you guys are going to get a 20% discount into the box this year. So if you guys are uh, going to sign up for into the Ooh. box, um, you can email Paulina at autosolutions.com and she'll give you um, one of those 20% discount codes so you can get into the box for a little cheaper. So we wanted to thank you guys for supporting us. So thank you so much. Okay. So first up, news and events. So last week, uh, the box products got a bit of a makeover. Right, you know, <coughs> the names just got a little bit old. We wanted to shake things up. Also, it was April 1st, which in the U.S., at least, is it everywhere? It's yeah. April Fool's Day. April Fool's. <laughs> so I know a lot of people were saying, come on, there's no time to be joking and whatnot. But we were like, you know what? In times like this, sometimes you got to joke a little more. So we had a little joke where we just posted a blog post, nothing too fancy, but we decided to rename, rebrand some of our products. So we decided to call cold box, fridge box, test box was make it work box. Wire box was shock box. Forge box was toy box. And then command box was master box. So just a little fun there. Uh, you know, a few people appreciated it, but somebody said we needed one box to contain them all. And I had to remind them that kitchen sink box used to be around a long time ago, but Sean Caulfield <laughs> encouraged us to, to downsize and uh, modularize. So 
So kitchen box, kitchen sink box is no longer around. Because <laughs> that's what they used to call cold box before we started modularizing. Everyone used to call it the kitchen sink. Because <laughs> everything was in it. Everything you could possibly need was in there. But so anyway, so hopefully you guys had a good April Fool's. Hopefully it wasn't too bad. I saw one uh, from Harley Davidson where they had a, you know, a four wheel bike. <laughs> and I saw one from Kelty um, Outdoor Equipment tents and stuff. They had cyber tent. It had like a little cyber truck looking tent with a little cracked window. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> so it made me laugh, you know. So times like this, we thought we should uh, share a little humor too. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, in all seriousness, we've got some good news for you too. So, uh, what is. Yeah. So the first thing we wanted to talk about. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Adobe announced their Cold Fusion Developer Week, so we have some details for you. So it looks like it's going to be May 18th through the 22nd, online, of course, and there's going to be two sessions per day and then 10 sessions throughout the week. So if you're going to go to the DC conference, it looks like uh, the same content lineup is there. They've just spaced it out over five days, just two sessions a day. And you can register online at uh, cf-devweek.meetus.adobeevents.com, which we will post because it's a really long link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just, just like the uh, DC conference, the uh, cost of this is free. So... <clears throat> now uh, everybody can enjoy these sessions, not just uh, those who could make it to the DC area. Yeah, which is good because you know I wasn't going to be able to make it over there. Um, so there's some good content, and Luis Mahano is going to be speaking from Audis. So that'll be a, a good session. But they look like all good sessions. There's a lot of community members there. Charlie Earhart's going to be there. I think Brian Sappy as well, and of course the Adobe team. So um, some good content. Go um, check that out and definitely sign up. So good sessions. So thanks, Adobe, for that. Um, we also got some news in the um, Lucy newsletter, which we'll talk about later so you can sign up yourself to keep up with what's going on in the Lucy world. But uh, they announced yesterday that they, in the newsletter, that they've expanded their developer team. That's right. They have a new developer, and I'm probably going to ruin the name. Uh, <laughs> please send in a pronunciation, and we'll get it right. Uh, Mircea Botez. Um, he is uh, from Romania, and he's diving in right now doing some build conversion for Lucy, but we're very excited to have uh, a new Java re uh, developer being able to help out there with the with all the tickets that they're in Lucy. And thank you especially to um, Erasia and DistroKid who are sponsoring his development time. Yeah, that's pretty awesome because, uh, I mean, obviously Lucy is a, a big part of the CFML community and it's really given us an extra step with the open source piece. And so it's yeah really good to see more more being pushed into Lucy and hopefully we'll get some, you know, some more results from it. So we're excited. I know Audis is excited about it. I think the whole Lucy world is too. So, um, right. and again, that was on the newsletter. Uh, we we have a link to the actual newsletter you can watch, uh, see online, but you can register as well on their site. And we link to that a little later on in the in the show notes. Okay. So we also had a couple of uh, Audis modules updated this week. So the Coldbox cross-site right. request forgery. <laughs> that one always gets 
gets me tongue-tied uh, module CSR. version two yeah <laughs> is released so um so basically it's a major version of this module and so this this module is basically to help you in your callbox application from cross-site request forgery vector issues so it's a major right. hold of the, the module and because um, this one's been upgraded and updated, um, they actually integrated it with CB Security as well. So now CB Security 2.4 is released alongside this version two of the cross-site request forgery module. So, right. so the, this module gives you a lot of um, nice things around mitigating this attack vector. Uh, you, the blog post goes into them a lot. Uh, it hooks into CB Auth to automatically rotate your session keys. It hooks into CB storages to distribute them in case you're running on a cluster and you want those keys available on all those servers. Um, it has an interceptor that you can turn on that will automatically check for a CSRF token on anything that's not a GET request in case you, like me, always forget those. So there's a lot of goodness in that module. And um, like Gavin said, CB security, it's integrated there. so. Check out the blog post on Ordis's blog and get it off of Forgebox. Yep, very cool. So I heard there was something else going so Gavin, on. Gavin, I, I actually have one more. Yeah, yeah. I, I have one more right now. I'm looking at this second screen right now, and I just typed publish and so, published the first alpha of Quick version 3. So that's headed up to Forgebox right now. So live um, on the are air. Work in progress, but uh, this thing has, well, to speak of the kitchen sink, this thing has a lot of improvements um, that the community's been been waiting for. Uh, a lot of improvements in the way relationships are handled. You can now have relationships that uh, are nested's not the word, but go through any number of intermediate entities. Um, Performance has been in, improved as well. There, there's so much goodness here. Um, I'll be publishing a blog post later today about the things to look for. Uh, it definitely is breaking changes. So um, if you're wanting to wait for the official migration guide, that's fine. If you want to dive in to with the blog post and the source code, uh, I'd be very excited to get your feedback. So the goal is to have this published at Into the Box version three so so you got one month to clean up document. one month to get the docs ready <laughs> yeah and so we're already using this on uh, one of our projects and a lot of the features in here because i keep complaining like wouldn't it be nice if we could do this and you're like actually let me do that right now so it's been really exciting yeah. to to be a part of it and see eric in there and i've i've actually got a chance to dive into the the code and the the coolest feature i think we just added yesterday was instead of um just getting back like an array of objects or an array of structs. Now you can get back on a mementified um, version. So as memento is now born. So instead of having to get you back your results and then map over them, it does it for you. So right, and and you just hit a, a huge feature that I know a lot of people out there will be excited about. Uh, Mementifier is now part of Quick. So for all of you that were trying to do it by yourself or wish that it was part of it. Your wish is granted. Yep, that's pretty cool. We're working with Quick a lot uh, on these projects, and I've learned a lot about it. Like I said, I haven't dove into it too much. I just used Query Builder before, but now we're really getting the hang of it. So that's pretty cool. 
We've added some nice little features in there and yeah, really enjoying it. So I'm excited. I'd, I'd like to give a, a shout out. They don't know this is coming, but to uh, Avoya Travel, they're a company we work a lot with and they've been um, been willing to ride the bleeding edge of Quick for a while now as we've been making improvements and, and giving feedback and sponsoring some of the work on it. So a lot of what you see there is thanks to them. So thank you, Avoya Travel. Okay, so we've got some more um, video goodness coming out here for you too. Brad's been busy with that Command Box 5 series, and so he's released three videos so far. So we have links for the library updates, the Git access tokens, and the Lucy extension management. And so every Tuesday and Thursday, he's going to be releasing new versions of these videos. He's got, I think, about 10 or so recorded um, all set up. So um, definitely keep an eye out. There's a lot of great stuff that came out in, um, in Command Box 5. So he's trying to give you a, a little guided tour there. So definitely watch them. Um, they're not too long. They're just you know short little videos, but they give you all the details you need. So definitely want to check those out. And then we are blog blogging those and then obviously they're on youtube as well if you're subscribing to the channel to watch our podcast you can also see those popping up there too maybe brad will uh do videos for quick three <laughs> yeah well i know that you you like screencasts a lot so i'm sure you can get a few knocked out yeah i just need more time <laughs> yep we all need more time that's funny because everyone's saying oh everyone's on lockdown we got way more time for some of us it's not we're actually still working now we got the kids home the wife home the in-laws are home there's a lot of stuff going on uh, so right. uh, and we're teachers too don't forget right okay yeah i had to sit up like three uh, chromebooks with zoom the other day it's not a good smooth experience on a chromebook it's kind of different okay we still have webinars coming up for you too so uh, Adobe has another webinar coming up. Uh, Alicia is going to be doing one on April 9th. So it looks like she's going to be doing the journey through the Adobe ColdFusion Performance Monitoring Tool. So um, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, I have it. One of the roadshows that Adobe did it was really pretty interesting. They've got a lot of good features in there. Uh, and so if you haven't got a, a tool and you're using Adobe ColdFusion, it's included with standard and enterprise. So it's something you should definitely check out. Um, it does have some different features from something like Fusion Reactor, but uh, this webinar will show you all of it. There's no slides, all presentation. So if you haven't seen it, it'll probably be a good good chance to do that. So that is April yeah. 9th, 11 a.m. Pacific. So you can go register. And again, I'll share the link because it's too long to really pronounce. <laughs> you can also always find these links in the show notes when the podcast episode is published. Yep. Okay. So, so next, uh, we ha have been tweeting about this and sharing about this, but we have a Content Box uh, CMS experience survey. So Content Box is our open source modular content management system based on Cold Box. It's been out now eight years in the market, and a lot of different companies are using it. So we're ramping up some of our planning for the next version of Content Box and wanted some feedback. So um we'll put the link inside the well i'll have gavin put the link in the show notes or in the chat so it goes through and youtube doesn't mark me as spam <laughs> and then it will be in the show notes as well we could really use your opinion and this is your way to influence the next version of content box yep um yeah really appreciate your feedback 
Um, I know some people have already uh, reached out to me personally just to make sure I know as well as filling out the survey. Um, so <laughs> there's certain things we we definitely have on our hit list, but we want to make sure that we're not missing something too. So yeah, your feedback is greatly appreciated. Speaking of feedback, um, we also would like you to go take the State of the CF Union 2020 survey and make sure that you mark uh, our podcast as podcast you listen to. Uh, there's a lot of great questions in there, and there's a you know a lot of the companies around CFML uh, use the data from the survey to to make important decisions, and we do at Audis as well. But obviously, this podcast is a uh, something we're we're proud of, and hopefully, you guys enjoy it. That's why you're listening, and so you can go and make sure that you say that you've listened to our podcast. We'd really appreciate that too. And that link is on the TearTech website, and I will copy that in as well. Okay, I think that's uh, all of the news right now. We can move on to conferences. Yep. So just a reminder, uh, Adobe CF Summit East 2020 was canceled, and so was the pre- and post-conference training. So the specialist program mm -hmm. and our auto solutions pre-conference training was canceled. But Into the Box 2020 is going virtual online. So May 7th and 8th, um, we're going to be doing the online conference. And um, it's going to be an action-packed two days. So we have two s tracks with uh, basically two full days of content. So I think there's 28 sessions or something. Um, it's going to be pretty busy. <laughs> That's right. And all the sessions will be recorded. So uh, attendees will be able to watch the ones that they didn't get to attend after. Yeah, we're going to so, try and make uh, them available as soon as we can. Um, it's right. always the big thing. Um, just so you know, the keynotes are going to be streamed live, so that way you can watch them live uh, even without a ticket. They are free. We want everyone to see what we've been working on. And then the, the conference themselves, it's $1.99 for the conference tickets to get to all the other materials. Um, just a reminder, too, that last year, so 2019 and 2018's video content is actually available for $9.99 for each year. So you can go get those links where we've got that uh, linked from our Into the Box website too, intothebox.org. So if you guys want to check out last year's content or the year before, you can buy those packages too. Um, if you did sign up for a workshop, uh, those are being refunded. They're going to be scheduled later as we are um, looking for the best way to deliver those. Uh, our, all our workshops really are tool to an in-person experience. And so we're needing to make some changes to make sure that it's a good online experience as well. So uh, look for, uh, listen to this podcast for news about when we're going to launch those workshops later. Yeah. And you'll be able to uh, sign up at that time. Yep. We're definitely doing them. A lot of people are saying, what about the workshops? We're definitely going to provide them. We're going to make them available. Um, they're very important for us to, to get information about our products out there to you. And those who want to go to workshops are, you know, they're, they're eager. And so we want to make sure that we get all the information to you. So we will definitely be doing them. We just don't have dates just yet. So don't worry. You will find out as soon as we find out. Okay. So also after that, we have the Adobe Dev Week. So we already mentioned that, so we won't take too much time there. But Adobe Developer Week is going to be May 18th through the 22nd. So do sign up for that, and that one is free, remember? And then after that, a week later, DockerCon Live is going to happen. So 
Now you've been on a lot of Docker lately, Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Docker, like, there's always more to learn about Docker. That's for sure. I'm interested to see what uh, sessions I come up with here and if it's going to be completely over my head or just a little bit over my head. Well, I went to the DocCon a couple of years ago and they had all different levels. They had like 10 tracks. They had a black belt track, which is only like the super crazy ninjas could go to. <laughs> and they had the real basic stuff too and a lot of in between. So um, <clears throat> this one's all online. It's just a one day conference. It is free too, which is cool. And then they have... Um, a live hallway track too. So it's kind of going to be interesting. They're going to have recorded sessions and then the speakers will be able to answer questions as the session's going on. I know that into the box, we were discussing if we should do recorded sessions or live sessions. And so we're, we're, we're leaning towards live because that's the way we've always presented them. But it's kind of a nice idea where you have a recorded session where they can answer questions. But I like being able to change my presentation to match the audience and the questions too. So. Pros and cons, but um, they'll have three simultaneous streaming channels, um, so you can choose basically one of three sessions for for that. So they have looks like a good conference, and I'm, I'm going to be signing up for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm likewise. So if that's on a, well, it's May 28th. What date is that? We might have to reschedule the podcast. <gasps> it is a Tuesday. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> So hey, stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> we might be streaming live while we're watching streams. Okay. <laughs> All righty. <clears throat> Jumping much further into the year, uh, CF Summit West or CF Summit Las Vegas is we have dates. It's October 28th and 29th at the Mirage Hotel. You can go yep. to summit.adobeevents.com <clears throat> to get more info. And um, I like the, in, the enthusiasm, the positive thinking here that we will all be meeting in vegas by october yep uh, obviously we we knew the dates for a while now but because of everything happening we didn't officially announce it because they hadn't officially announced it but it's live up on the portal the website is up so uh, we want to share that information with you so uh, obviously as things happen things might change as well we'll just have to um, play it by ear but positive thinking, uh, the Mirage is a good venue and we've, we've enjoyed the, the conference there before. And yeah, hopefully things are back to normal by then and we can have a great conference in Vegas. Uh, CF Camp is still waiting to see how everything plays out before they make any announcements. Um, so obviously they're usually based in Germany, which in the heart of Europe is a pretty, pretty bad spot right now with all the COVID-19 issues. So we'll, we'll find out as soon as they have some some dates there yeah. oh, i'm not sure they might be doing online as well we haven't heard anything yet but i'm hoping at least we'll get some content it'll be good to have an online conference if nothing nothing more i just realized that they have an online conference germany time that's going to be really uh a really late night for us <laughs> here in the u.s <laughs> that's Actually true kind of sounds fun it's about 12 hour difference right so get off work at five and have dinner <laughs> and then tune in at 8 a.m. Uh, 8 p.m. my time, 8 a.m. their time. And yeah, stay up all night and go to work the next day. Well, Before. I don't know about the go to work the next day part. <laughs> <but>, uh... <laughs> Especially if we're presenting, right? We got to be awake. <laughs> Oops. Okay. So hold on a second. That's not the right button here. Uh-oh, my buttons have gone all crazy here. I updated OBS, guys, and so it's 
giving me some issues. So I don't know why, but the slides are not working the way they should. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, basically next on the list is blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And so let's start off with Charlie Earhart's blog and how we can keep the CF admin settings in sync between multiple servers or instances. So, uh, I played this when I went through the outline for our our episode today as the, can I answer the question without reading the article? And in this case, yes. <laughs> so this is somebody that had multiple servers on the cluster and they were getting frustrated with having to log into each different server and set up the same configuration, the data sources, any changes like that. They asked, how can I keep them in sync? And Charlie gave two answers. Uh, one was the there was a CF admin API, which is kind of limited, or CF config, which is an Ordis project that works across all Cold Fusion engine versions as well as Lucy versions and keeps it in a JSON file in your project. So I was happy that I got that answer right and happy to see CF config get so much love. It really has. Um, enabled a lot of different uh, patterns for us, especially with Docker and containers. Yeah, very good. I mean, the CF admin API does have a lot of good, uh, you know, capabilities as well, and, and that's definitely a good option. But there were some other alternatives that Charlie wants to make sure he advise against or do so with great caution. So he was saying um, the most obvious might be, well, why don't I just copy those Neo XML files everywhere? Um, and one of the reasons is, is that um, sometimes the those files are not the same um, and not always you know identical between instances. Um, the other thing is too that there they may be slightly different versions with slightly different keys and everything. So he definitely recommends uh, not just doing that. And he also says don't try to force CF to share those settings um, between instances too, because if you are having any of those issues, like you update one, it might change that file and then break the other version and stuff like that. So Charlie goes into a lot of detail. He's very thorough, and uh, it's definitely a blog post I'd recommend looking at if you're going to do it. Um, yeah, so that's that's basically it. So if you're going to do it, the CF admin API or CF config is the they're probably the smoothest way to do it. And there are other options, but he gives you some very good reasons to consider not using them. So as usual, Charlie, thank you for the information. And and that was just released this morning. So I think it was on a forum post just today as well. So Charlie's on the spot. So thanks, Charlie, for all the, all the work you do. Okay, so next on our list, we have... Uh, the video from Brad. So what's new in command box five, the Lucy extension management. So that video is there. So, yeah. And then and we have, week, have we a have lot a, of blogs from Ben Adele this week. We do. This one, I, I wanted to talk about specifically, he talks about spreading SQL and CF query param tags across multiple function calls in Lucy. Um, oh, this the idea that, that you can have a function in Lucy that returns a string that has a CF query param in it, as long as that's inside a CF query tag, like you call the function inside the CF query, and output is true. So the idea that you can dynamically call these functions but still pass in params and things like that. It was interesting. I didn't know this was even possible. Yeah, it was, it was definitely possible. weird. Ben definitely pushes the boundaries. <laughs> 
You did make me think, Ben, have you seen QB? Because that does what you want. <laughs> yeah. Without any of the caveats you just mentioned. So Yeah. QB is definitely a cool tool. And I know we have a session coming up at Into the Box on QB. Sam Moulton will be doing that. So, Ben, we'll have to watch that session for sure. Um, it's definitely definitely would help but yeah it, it was interesting like you say i mean basically in the middle of his query he had a function call and then it returned it and the query params kicked in which i thought was very funny but looking at his query output i didn't see the little um you know the question marks as params so i thought that was pretty strange please hold apologize <laughs> So, yeah, but that was an interesting blog post, you know, really pushing the boundaries of it. But, yeah, I mean, this is basically how uh, complex queries used to work. People used to have bits of text from other functions, and, you know, you'd basically have a little helper that would generate the SQL for a certain piece. And, yeah, Query Builder, QB, uh, it definitely makes that a lot easier, um, especially when you're dealing with some, um, some if statement that may affect the select, the where, the order by, you know, <laughs> some right. groupings, et cetera. Um, it can get pretty hairy, but QB allows you to group all those together in, in one place. And so your logic I is think, centralized. I think most of us have written a query where we have, before the query call, we have a variable for the SQL or the select. We have a variable for the where's. We have a variable for the params. You know, like, that's what QB does for you, just very tested and in a very nice manner. <laughs> yep. So... so. Very cool. Okay, we also had a tweet from Kai Koenig um, about Command Box Server Manager. He said, client brought the order solutions ForgeBox module to manage Command Box instances as persistent demons. Very smooth sailing. It just gets rid of a task that nobody wants to deal with anyway. Uh, he says, it's also a great and very cheap way to help support an open source team. So thank you, Kai, for supporting us. We're recommending it to your client, I assume. Um, and so, yes, thanks for tweeting about it too. A couple. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say another tweet from Brad, but um, he was just talking about a regression that that popped up in Lucy five point three point five for Logbox. Yeah, so it seems that um, the debug info warn messages are not getting out to standard out there. So uh, standard error seems to be working, but standard out is not. So we're looking into it seeing how we can adapt to Lucy and if Lucy needs to, to fix something there. So Yeah, I think Brad said that they're wrapping that in a, in a function or, sorry, in a wrapper to help with some extra features to stand it, uh, out in error. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just basically right. losing some stuff. So uh, it does work in Lucy 534. So just so everybody knows. But yeah, it might be something you may have issues if you're running 535. Like whack-a-mole. <laughs> Picks one bug, another one jumps up. Yep, pop. Software is complex. <laughs> yep. So we had a blog from Michaela Light from Terratech, uh talking about working from home, salvation, or a prison life. Or sorry, or a prison. So life changes amid COVID nineteen and life after. And so a lot of people have been tweeting about different ways to deal with working from home and isolation and and everything. So um, you know. A lot of people already work from home and they said it's still very different now that they're, you know, they're confined. So this blog post sort of, you know, just goes through um, a lot of different thoughts about different ways of dealing with different things and some ideas about coping and, you know, different tools and stuff. So just thought yeah. it would be a good one to share. 
Yeah, I think that's very needed right now. This is, especially if you didn't work from home before and now you are, I, I, I've seen a lot of people mention this is not normal working from home uh, <laughs> experience. Like we're all having a, a different time, difficult time, most of us, you know, adjusting to some of the changes. So, yeah. So, I mean, I yeah. used to go out, you know, just, just get out of the house and do different stuff. We we're always, you know, picking up kids and doing this and that from sports and we we're work from home, but we weren't stuck in the house all day. It's very different. You know, we had those outlets and those ways to get out and communicate and, you know, and obviously kids were at school and, you know, other family members were at work. And so, you know, now you've got other things to, you know, it's nice to spend time with family, but sometimes it's, you can be hard to focus when the kids are kind of trying to come in and steal your gum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised they haven't walked through the door yet, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we all, I, this is a great article. Oh man. What you just said reminds me, we, we have, we, we've been calling it me time, but it's basically every kid in the house, every adult goes to a separate room and you got to stay there for a couple hours because we're all in each other's business the rest of the day. <laughs> so that's so, a good yeah, there's, there's great ideas on here and yeah, we're all, we're all trying to cope and it's good to read about different ways that we can cope right now because we all need that. So. Yeah. And I also thought it was pretty cool the other day, uh, you and I and a couple of our clients are on a call and we decided, okay, let's bring the kids in. They've been banging at the door. So we had all the kids on camera saying hi to each other and talking to each other. And, you know, it was just kind of cool. And, you know, it's cool that our clients are relaxed enough to understand and, you know, and that type of thing too. Some people are, you know, they basically, you know, there's all these rules and regulations. And I know I've heard of people getting, you know, basically warned about being fired if they're not professional enough on these calls and everything. But, yeah, sometimes you just got to be human and, and enjoy that time. And, you know, as long as you get the work done, too, then you know, everything's good. So, yeah. Yeah. Plus, kids are cute. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, we had another blog post from Benny Dell. Um, considering <laughs> MySQL query params, prep statements, and queries that use in clauses in ColdFusion. And so this, this one was, was this was interesting, and I I wanted to get your opinion because yeah. obviously with QB and Quick, you're diving into the engines a lot. Yeah, you're right. And so I this had a lot of good content in it. First off, if you are only a SQL Server shop and you are convinced that the 2100 param limit is a thing that everyone deals with, it's not. It's only you. Um, <laughs> that was the first part of Ben's article. MySQL, Postgres, Oracle. There's no such limits. Um, then he goes into talking about how prepared statements are optimized by the engine. So you can think of that as every version of the SQL that you pass in with the question marks becomes a, um, like stored in memory and the, your database makes an execution plan for it. If you passing one with more question marks, then it needs a different plan for that. So that's where it comes into the in statements. So if you did select all from users where ID in and you passed one ID, that's a different execution plan than passing two IDs and so forth. So is it really? I was wondering if, you know, this might be something where the engine's optimized because I know sometimes they'll make query plans even if you're not using parameters because they see patterns and they're really smart these days. So they uh, are. And and I, and I did want to put that at the end of this, the caveat that this is interesting what Ben did always measure the performance before you just go making changes like this. Um, it might not make a difference. It might make it worse. 
it might make it better, but you you want to know why and you want to know that it is getting better. So um, it, to jump back into Ben's post, he wanted to normalize the length of the list to be the same. So basically pad it with one of the numbers in the list to a certain length so that there was one execution plan. Um, did he go into any performance numbers in there, Gavin? I didn't quite get to that. Um, I was looking at it. I, to be honest, I didn't didn't read the the final piece in that much detail. I thought it was very interesting though. But I was wondering about yeah, if you were gonna do that in a small number, maybe you have maybe max of ten. That might not be a difference. But if you have like a thousand, sometimes that you pass in there, I would probably want a separate execution plan based on that. So he did the numbers up to ten. Um, yeah. but. And again, yeah. like you said, databases are big beasts and they're very smart. I wouldn't be surprised if it took his list of 10 and got rid of the duplicates. You know, like they, they do a lot of things for you. If you have slow queries, it's likely that in is not your problem and it's something else like a missing index or you're trying to bring back millions of rows at once. You know, there's, this is a great thing to know about, but probably again, measure know what you're changing and see if it improved it. Yeah. And just double checking. I didn't think I saw any absolute, um, you know, stats on it. And it doesn't look like there is here. No, there, um, there, I just look, there's no stats. And he also said that he hasn't ever tried it in production. So I, I look at this as a, Hey, that's fun. I, I got to, I got it to do what I wanted it to do, <laughs> you know, but yeah. Um, but yeah and Bringing awareness that all of you SQL Server people, there is salvation outside of it in the param <laughs> limit. Yeah, for sure. Sorry about the tease, but that that confused me the first time I ran into it with QB with somebody saying, "Oh, you have too many params." I'm like, "That's not a thing. What is that?" <laughs> so I'm sure there's a good reason. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and Scott said index, but don't over-index your tables. He just mentioned that too. So <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Likely, if you need performance, indexing is your best friend. Yep, and make sure uh, that you index the right table. I've done that before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too funny. So Benedel also um, had an interesting little blog post uh, about printing emoji characters from Unicode code points in Lucy. So this one was over my head from the start. Um, I know what emojis are and everything, but he was basically converting them from different character types and everything. Cause he's scared of putting emojis straight into a CFML code. But he said, if he, you know, uses, uh, code points, you could do that. And so he had a, a little setup, a little function that had basically converting the different character types and everything. Uh, it was pretty interesting, but again, yeah, but you mentioned he had to drop into Java because cold fusions, uh, character fun function, which is CHR, only goes up to uh, 65,535. <laughs> so yeah, not enough points. So you had to drop down to Java. So if you need emoji based on the code points, you'll need to use Java. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I didn't even know what a code point was until I read this article here. So anyway, if you're working with emojis um, in ColdFusion, definitely check that out. Um, or if you just want to realize that you actually don't know anything about strings. Yeah, that too. Go in there too. I'd rather be oblivious. <laughs> happier that way. <laughs> um, so Ben had another blog post, <laughs> again, uh, about using the urinary plus operator over pass in and pass float. 
So this was, he was looking at when coercing strings to numbers in JavaScript. Um, and I really found it kind of interesting, some of the things he was doing. So uh, a bit of code he had, this has been working for over five years, was working great, and all of a sudden, you know, he had some issues, and they didn't know why. And the code was using int to figure out um, the number. And I guess at some point they changed from, you know, numbers in this field to GUIDs. And so if the GUID started with a letter, it would say not a number and throw an error. And if the GUID started with a number, it would take the first part of the number till it hit a letter and then use that as the integer and throw the rest away. Ah. <laughs> so he's like, obviously it's not working as I intended. Um, so, you know, but, but putting a plus in front of it, trying to coerce it into being a number would actually do what you wanted to do. So it would, you know, it would right. co coerce it if it could be, but not just take a piece of it if it couldn't. And so um, it was pretty interesting. Um, he also mentions that using the unary operator, you don't have to specify parse int or parse float. It handles both of them. Yeah. So, so if all you need is is, is a number. This number and give me the number back, it seems like a good way to go. Yeah, pretty interesting. So I just I really thought that was kind of a neat one, just seeing how it would deal with that. I mean, I would never think pass int would take a, a you know, you would and put me back like the first three numbers because the next one was a letter and throw away the other 20 characters or whatever. That was very it's different. JavaScript we're talking about. So, yes, yes. No. <laughs> hey, but some of us still like JavaScript sometimes. That's fine. You just need to know about its warts, and this is one of them. <laughs> yeah, floating points is always a wart. But... Okay, so Ben had another blog post, so we should just make a uh, picture for Ben here for the his section. But he's talking about zipping image archives with deflate and store. So I guess just um, recently, Zach Spitzer added um, the compression method for zipping in Lucy. And so now you have a choice. So previously, before when you added files to the zip, it would do it all the same way. It would, um, you know, basically compress everything. Um, but I guess if you're passing in JPEGs and stuff that are already compressed, there's no point, you know, compressing them again or trying to because they're already compressed. So you yeah. can just store them directly in the zip instead. And so um, he did do a little stats on here saying that it was the zip files ended up the same size, basically, but they were uh, way faster just storing them instead of doing the deflate method, which basically, you know, inflates and then deflates everything. So compresses it all together. So pretty interesting. I didn't know that you could choose. So that was new to me that you could actually choose your option when working with zips. So pretty neat there. Yeah, and he calls out Zach Spritzer, who added that compression method to the CF zip tag. So thank you, Zach. And that's available from Lucy 5.3.3x. So, so most people should be able to use that. Okay, we also had a couple of blog posts um, from Luis at Autis. So he blogged about the CP Security 2.4 being released and uh, cross-site request forgery module version 2. And then we had a blog post from Zach Spitzer as well. So he yes. actually um, put out a blog about his Lucy Performance Analyzer plugin. So this was a neat one because we've gotten some pull requests um, from Zach before uh, adding some, some var fixing some scoping issues, right? And ColdFusion, it will, if you don't scope a variable, it will look up in a, in a 
predictable order, but that lookup can take time. And so he's done some pull requests on, hey, here's some scopes that you can fix. And this performance analyzer plugin also shows those, shows those missing scopes and how long it, it takes. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I definitely like the I like to see that. And it looks like you can uh, identify slowest queries, file scoping problems. Uh, and yeah, it's pretty neat. And he's been adding a little more to it. So hopefully we'll see some more updates here as well. Okay. So next we have another video from Brad Wood. So what's new in Combined Mox 5? The Get Access Tokens. So you can learn how to use Get Personal Access Tokens or your username and password to authenticate to private Git repos in Command Box 5. So, uh, yeah, the good thing about command boxes, uh, you know, a lot of different endpoints usually defaults to forge box, but you can actually point directly at Git repos or zip files and all sorts of different things. So if you're working with a private Git repo, you now have more options with Git access tokens. So pretty neat. So back to Ben, uh, <laughs> we have pretty printing a cold fusion query object in Lucy. So... <laughs> Um, in one of his previous posts, he was showing the output from the MySQL CLI, which is like a fixed width ASCII table showing your columns and the rows in there. And so as kind of a, as a code kata, he's like, I'm going to make that. I pass in a query and it will print that out. And so you can check out the uh, his blog post for that. He has it limiting width and having, um, I'm trying to think of the word, the truncation on the columns. So... <laughs> It's a fun little Kokata. Will you use this? Likely no, but it was fun. It's fun still. It's fun to see how people solve problems. So Yep. And of course, Brad would like the ASCII only if there was ASCII art in there too. So uh, I don't <laughs> know if this quite qualifies for that. But. I think it's good enough. Maybe we should add this to command box, Brad. If I do print.table and pass in a query or something. Well, not a query. I never use queries. You know what I mean. Yeah. That's actually kind of cool because, yeah, in the REPL, you need a better formatting for some of that stuff. I'd, I'd have to, I don't wonder what the REPL outputs. Uh, they I have, actually they done. have something like this in uh, JavaScript for console.table. So uh, that would probably be the place to look. Yeah. And, and copy shamelessly. Shamelessly. Okay. <laughs> we had a couple of videos from Matt Clemente. So we had one which was his live stream last week where he said he was going to do something about testing. And then he also released um, another video where he was adding basic interactivity to command box custom commands. Um, yeah, and so, if you've ever been wanting to build a custom command, uh, Matt is basically putting together your playlist where he's <laughs> starting with from scratch, building a new directory, hooking it in the command box. And now, you know, he's up to adding interactivity. So, if it is a great resource for building your own command box commands. Yeah, and so this the latest video asked as an interactivity. So there's functions like ask, wait for key, and confirm. And so those ones actually, the CLI will wait for you to do something on the, on the actual command line. And then once you've answered, it will go back and continue processing. So I made a little, um, you know, choose your own adventure game uh, when it first came out with those type of features. It was pretty fun. Uh, I think it's still on Forgebox, but probably doesn't work in this version of Command Box without some manipulation. So I'll have to tweak that or, or something. But it was one of those little silly games where you get to choose the next step. <laughs> kind of fun. It's kind of cool that you can do that with a CLI. Simple right. as that. Cool. So we also okay. had the news, the Lucy newsletter. So uh, we always see their, their tweets 
uh, out there. And so one of them, we talked about how to get on the newsletter. So as we mentioned earlier, we found out that Lucy has a new developer and that was from the newsletter. So if you want to register, you can register at lucy.org slash newsletter archive.html. And I'll share that link here in the, the chat. But you guys can sign up and then keep up to date on all the happenings from Lucy. Uh, obviously, you can listen to it here. We'll try and get you that information too. But it's nice to, to get those newsletters as well, find out what's going on, and maybe figure out ways you can contribute as well. Okay. One last uh, Ben blog post here for the day. And this is referencing string characters using array notation. So... <laughs> uh, basically, you can treat a string as a, a length array, you know? It's a list, essentially. <laughs> yeah, if your string is hello and you do, uh, you know, hello at three, you'd get an L. So it's kind of yeah. weird to me. I don't know if I'd be thinking, like he said, he wanted to try it out to burn it into his brain so he could remember it. Because, um, yeah, I, I'm with him. When I look at that, I go, that's that's odd. Just break it into an array, please. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it does. It allows you to treat it like a list. It allows you to treat it like an array, but you can't map over it like a, an array because it treats it like a list, which the whole word is an item in the list or the array. So that's what he says. It's kind of weird. So, yeah, I mean, you can just access the third character. So if you want, instead of doing a mid or something to get one character out, you could just say, oh, I want, you know, character three using array notation and you can get it out. And that's the only thing I could see would be useful as you need to pull out a certain very, you know, a couple of characters, you could do that. But yeah, yeah. but there's, so this is, this is a, a Lucy feature. I don't know if this works in I th Adobe. I think it does. I think it's been around for a long time. I remember doing oh. that for some reason, looping through stuff, uh, old days, some log passing crap a long <laughs> time ago. So it's been there for a while, but again, not very useful. Um, but interesting. Yeah. And one, <laughs> one note he does have is you cannot use negative indexes like you can for like slice or things like that. It will just error. Oh, interesting. So sometimes you can use a negative index to say, I want the last character instead of the first, but it does not work. Don't try it. Ah, uh, gotcha. <laughs> okay. So we also had one more video from Brad. So, command box five library update. So it tells you all about what changed under the hood, all the libraries, all the different nuts and bolts that make command box works and learn about which, what they did with JLine and Runwire and Undertow and all that great stuff, uh, JBoss and everything too. So you may not really need to know, but he also explains how to find out which version you're running. So if you're having issues with command box, he'll talk to you about uh, the info command and what some of the pieces mean and how it's useful for him to figure out why it's not working the way it should. So, pretty cool. Okay, let's move on to the final job. job. So, there. Uh, unfortunately, this time we're seeing a lot more people uh, losing their jobs, but there's still quite a lot of jobs available, um, and a lot of people are sharing uh, resumes and sharing people's contacts. So, if you guys are looking for um, a job, um, there's a lot of great developers out there right now. Unfortunately, but fortunately for you they're still available. So we have five jobs listed this week, but I did look, they're actually the same positions relisted a couple of different times. So I'm not sure if they're changing stats or if there are multiple jobs. So the first two are both Cold Fusion Architects in Roxville, Maryland, um, but they are separate listings. So I'm not sure if they're hiring two or they've updated something and 
the system just pulled it in differently. And then the next three um, are senior Colvision developer. One is temporary, and the other two don't seem to be temporary. And they're both in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, and so those are basically all the, the posts from this week. But overall, there's 20 positions available from 17 companies across 14 locations in five countries. So still a few good jobs posted there. And for more information, you can go to getcfmljobs.com. Now, if you or anyone else is, uh, has a job that's got a listing, let us know and we'll try and post it on here too so we can share it. I see a lot of friends of the podcast are sharing um, contacts for people that have lost jobs trying to help them out. So we'd be interested in listing those here as well. So try and help those people, especially times like now. Right. Okay. Next on our list, Forgebox Module of the Week. So. Da-da-da. This one is by Dan Card, who's one of our Patreon supporters. But So he made a little helper um, module called Command Box Site Opener. Had, had you seen this one yet? Yeah, I took a look at it. So the idea is you want to open one of your uh, Command Box-based servers. You don't want to have to remember where it is or change over that directory or start the server if it's not started. You just want to open. And so you can install this command. It's command box dash site opener. Site opener is one word. And then when you use it, you type site opener, open, push tab for the lovely tab completion. You'll get a list of all of the sites that you have. And when you choose it, site opener will go into that. It will start the server it needs, and then it will open that server for you in your web browser. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That'd be handy sometimes. I mean, sometimes I forget the name of the server. So I've still got to learn that, but uh, <laughs> but it definitely definitely sounds good. I mean, just giving you the list there is pretty cool. So, right. and I like this. So you do have the like uh, for servers, you can do server open and then dash or sorry tab to get like a list of servers. But this goes you know the one step further to it makes sure it's started before it gets there, and so that that's a nice little improvement to that. Yeah, so you can find that on Forgebox. Command box dash site opener, one word. Um, yeah, pretty cool little module. And actually, um, I should write a blog post. Last week, we were, I was helping, I think, John Wilson. We were talking about how to get right clicks in Windows for the folders in Explorer to, to open command box, just like some other tools like Git Bash, etc. And so we were experimenting with that. And so we got a lot of the right click stuff working nicely. So if you right click on, um, basically in a folder it'll open command box directly to that folder because command box opens in the current working directory by default which works out nicely and i bugged brad to get him to if we right click on a folder so inside of the folder we're in to open it there so we have to make a little update to command box for that to work to passing in a directory we want to open so that's pretty neat. Uh, I know we've been talking about doing installers for a long time, so you can get those type of options. Um, but it wasn't too hard to add to your registry, so maybe we'll we'll go and share that in the blog sometime. That'll be pretty useful. I like it. It's pretty cool. Although VS Code, you have the terminal right there, so I usually use that, but kind of nice. Okay, so next we have our VS Code, hence tips and tricks of the week. 
And this one here uh, actually is one we've already done. We've already done get lens. We get a lot of people saying we should do it again. And um, we decided to this time to focus on a new feature in get lens 10, which is get commands. All right. So Git has, you know, a, a quite a large service area, and sometimes the API can be a little um, hard to remember. And so what git commands does is if you pull it up with your command palette in VS Code, it will give you a list of all the different git commands, and then next to it, a short description about what it will do. So you'll see branch, rebase, push, pull, fetch. Um, when you choose one, say branch, it will then give you different options like do you want to create a branch delete one rename a branch um and it will explain those as well you choose create uh what's the name of the branch after you give it a name do you want to switch to that branch or stay in the branch you're at it gives you a step-by-step -step for each of these um very useful especially if you're new to some git commands like rebasing and you're like i don't know what to do it will walk you you know step by step through that so you can get that uh, after you've installed Git Lens. It's called Git Commands, and it will walk you through each of those. And for me, anything not to leave VS Code is great. You know, <laughs> just keep that one UI in front of me. That's all I need. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's a whole list here. So we can branch, cherry pick, co-authors, merge, fetch, pull, push, rebase, reset, revert, search, stash, switch, tag. And there's probably more off the end of it here, but... Um, it's definitely got a lot and so yeah it's pretty nice that it'll give you the the full list and in those step-by-steps and requiring confirmation beforehand too yeah so i mean git lens does a whole lot more as well but that was the one we wanted to focus on today yeah so um it was a, a big update i mean i just scrolled through so everybody could see it there was a lot of stuff there um and basically it yeah, I mean, I can't believe how much stuff in GitLens I'm not even using. I mean, having stuff like the heat map, as you can see, what's changed recently um, was pretty neat yeah. on, the, on the gutter. And there's, you know, all the different information about who updated what and when. And yeah, it's definitely nice. I love it for the code conflict uh, help. I really like that. I mean, there's just lots of different pieces. Been able to walk through a file history step by step by step to see what changed and when and, and what uh definitely a lot of cool things inside that so really do really do like uh get land so it's definitely good i know charlie's recommended it as well in the past and we've done it uh now the second time but there's a good reason for it because that feature is almost an whole extension itself so so gavin i do have another tip i'd like to put out there Okay. Um, sure. Not GitLens related. This one's going to be controversial, though, which is why uh -oh. I'm sneaking it in. <laughs> there is a setting in VS Code. You go to your settings and you type in sidebar. It will give you the sidebar location. I challenge you <laughs> and everybody to change that to the right side. And here's why. Every time you open and close your sidebar, your code is moving back and forth and your eyes are moving back and forth with it. You put mm. that on the right. Your code stays put. I know it sounds blasphemous. It's like telling someone who uses tabs to use spaces, but uh, give it a try. See uh, see if you like the non-jarring effect better. So I switched about two weeks ago, and I love it now. I'm used to looking on the right, and there's less jar every time I need to open up that sidebar. Oh. 
So. Yeah, I leave mine open most of the time. I just jump between which sidebar I'm using. But I know a lot of editors do have that on the right, probably for the same reason. That way your code is always on the left. You can always get to it easily. So pretty yeah, cool. If you, uh, if you open and close that sidebar, uh, try that setting, even if it, you think you'll hate it. Give it, <laughs> give it a, a week, see what it does for you. Okay, so we've got a few people talking here about different things. So Scott's asking, is there a setting for GitLens? I'm not sure. There are a billion settings for GitLens, so I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering too. So um, the the page, uh, I'll share that in the, the chat for everyone watching live. But um, there's a lot of different things in it. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure exactly what setting you're referring to, Scott. Uh, definitely check it out, though. I use it all the time. It's, I couldn't work without it. I do have Source Tree open just for some visual stuff, too, but I think they're doing more visual stuff in there as well now as well. So, Oh, he's talking about for the right pop-out instead of left. That's actually for VS Code itself. So not for the Git Lens piece, but for the sidebar in... in um, VS Code, Scott. Right. So, so if you bring up your VS Code settings and you type sidebar into the search, it should be the first thing. It's like workbench sidebar location. Yeah. So. And I've put my terminal up there on the right by mistake one time too. And that was weird. Terminal should go to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, now it's time for our Patreon supporters. And if you guys can see in the top left, there's a familiar face. Maybe. Ben Adele has actually been a, a, a Patreon supporter, and somehow we forgot about him last week. So when the email came through, uh, we missed him. Um, obviously, he's a, a big contributor to the show with all the content that he puts out every week. And even when he's having a slow week, he still puts out 10 blog posts. I still don't know how he does it. But, um, but yeah, so Ben is actually a Patreon supporter of Order Solutions now as well. And so he's actually contributing back to the, the podcast. So thank you, Ben. And sorry, it's taken a, a couple of weeks to get you up there. But we also had a new, um, another Patreon supporter as well, Kai Koenig, who's so new. I haven't even got his picture up on the, the podcast, but he is listed up on the site. So Kai, um, he's the, the German living in New Zealand. <laughs> um, but, uh, Kai, thank you um, for supporting us as well. We appreciate it. We appreciate all our Patreon sponsors. Um, and I just got an update during the podcast that uh, the Patreon supporters 20% discount will be emailed to you. You don't have to email for it. So don't worry. Uh, you should be getting an email about that so you can get 20% off your Into the Box tickets. So we have a, a pretty big list here. So I'm going to do it this week. Give you a week oh, off, okay. Eric. So thank you to all our Patreon supporters. Without you, this podcast and our, a lot of our open source products would not happen. So thank you, Ben Adele, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Ballinger, Didier Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamry, Kai Koenig, Laxma Tirahadi, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Ryan, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Oden, Clever, uh, Stephen Klotz, Synaptrix, and Yogesh Mithur. So thank you to all of our supporters. You can see them up on autosolutions.com slash about us dash, sorry, about dash us slash sponsors. And we thank all of you guys for supporting us. And uh, if you want to support us, patreon.com slash autosolutions is where you can find out about our different packages and you'll be able to sign up there. So 
but yeah, we really do appreciate it. And, uh, with all the, the podcasts that we're, we're trying to put out there, we're going to get some speaker interviews out for into the box because it's a one month away. So our speaker sessions, uh, we'll do short little interviews with them. So you can find out which sessions you should, you know, check out. So again, thank you everybody for watching this week and yeah, it looks like another busy week ahead of us again. So so quick three is out the button is pushed so everyone get some feedback for eric here let's keep him busy <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, we'll... that blog post up to give you a rundown of the new features later today yep and we'll see you all next week have a good Adios. one everyone show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.